folks, welcome to a podcast about Catholic faiths. This is Eric, the Ambassador of Common Sense, and I'm here with... Dan, the Ambassador of Nonsense. Welcome, everybody. Been a little while. And Dan took another vacation. I Yeah, sorry, guys. I, it was it was kind of weird. It wasn't like a vacation, per se. vacation. I was working the whole time. Okay. But my wife was sent away on work, and I wanted to go with her because, you know... They her her company pays for her travel and everything, a hotel room, so I don't have to pay anything extra to be there with her. Um, I drove instead of flying, although it probably cost just as much in gas. And then, since they give her a pretty generous per diem, we get to go and and try you know fun places to eat and that kind of stuff in the evening. So it's kind of a fun thing. Whatever. Um. But I thought, oh, I'll take my mic and record. But then it's like, oh, wait. Then I have to tell my wife to shut up for two and a half hours. I don't see the problem with that. Yeah. It's like two weeks, <laughs> yeah, I, two hours. Except that it, your except wife that can't she's not one. talk for two hours in two weeks. <laughs> you can't. No, you can't ask a woman to do that. But besides, she's the one who's treating me to the getaway. So. <laughs> All right. Well, we got to come up with a cover for that then and find a way to. I'm going to have to I know, I have you. to have some pre-recorded things. Um, all right, well, anyway, so what's our, a whole lot has happened, so, and we're going to get to all the news, all the crazy crap going on, but... Yeah, this weird stuff. Yeah, let's, we'll jump in the top, that's one thing that people have told me that they appreciate, is that we don't banter in the beginning, we banter after we've talked about the topic. Okay. And I said, okay, I'm going to keep doing that because if somebody doesn't like banter, they can just turn it off. That's right. So. Okay. So we have been barraged almost nonstop with relevant current events, things that are relevant to the Catholic world. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if barraged is a verb like that. We've been hit with a barrage. Yeah. And I was just thinking it would be nice to step away from that and just talk about something that's a little bit more basically Catholic, eternally Catholic, not part of the the current event right. uh, slipstream that, that we're just being buffeted yeah. around with. We're tired of talking about Pope Francis. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Give me okay. a break. You can put it nice. Yeah. You can put it that way. I was trying to put it nicely. Anyway, um, so one of the things that, and I don't know if you do this, I muse on things. I think about things, you know, theological things, metaphysical things, things that, that I've read about and that I'm trying to learn more about. And I bounce them around in my head and I come up with models for them and explanations for them and that kind of stuff. And then, it's like, I want to talk about them. I want to share them with somebody. And one of the things that I kind of, I don't want to pretend like I'm the, the one who came up with this. It's, it's not that I came up with it. It's that I just recently got an understanding of something that has been around for a long time. And I want to talk about it, and I want to talk about it, and and it has to do with the Holy Trinity, okay. like, like what it really means to be three persons in one being or one substance. Uh, like we say in the Creed, consub- you know, the Son is consubstantial with the Father. What does that mean if he's also a separate person from the Father? But then carrying that a step further, what does that mean for and 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 
what are some insights? I think there's a big insight in there for the whole purpose behind creation and why God creates. Okay. And that's what I kind of wanted to get into. Now, the thing is, I'm going to say right up front, it feels like a small talk topic, and it could be that we run through this whole thing in 15 minutes, and then we got to spend a whole bunch of the show on current events. Okay. Right. It could also be that we get to the end of the first half part of that. I won't say half. The first part of that, and then say, wow, it's gone on really long, and... We need to pick up the second part in a later uh, show. So uh, we'll see how it goes. All right. So what All do right. you got? Well, one of the things, when I first kind of pitched this idea to you, uh, you know, and, and I put it I put it poorly, but I don't know how else to put it. It's like, hey, I wanted to kind of do the show on an understanding of the Holy Trinity and how you can sort of get your mind around it. Well, you don't really get your mind around the Trinity. But you said something that was interesting, which, and you were quoting somebody, weren't you? You said Um, that somebody said, if you think you can understand, if you think you can explain the Holy Trinity, then you don't understand the Holy Trinity. Something like that. Yeah, because it's impossible. Yeah, it is impossible. Um, But it's, I mean, it's impossible for a few different things. But one of the first things is that we refer to it, as at least Catholics do, as the mystery of the Holy Trinity. Um, I don't know if Protestants really have this concept of a mystery, but Catholics do, and Catholics use use it a lot. It's kind of a standard Catholic terminology. Yeah. But I think a lot of people misunderstand what a mystery is. Because in the Catholic sense, a mystery doesn't refer to something that is just not understandable and that's all. So don't bother trying. Just accept the words as they're presented to you and go on from there without any understanding. Right. That's not what a mystery is at all in the Catholic, you know, world. Um I think a better way to describe a mystery is that a mystery is something that is unboundedly understandable. What I mean is, it's something that's presented to our intellects to explore and in some small measure grasp and digest and and uh, bring inside ourselves. But no matter how much we get it, no matter how much we digest it, no matter how much we explore it, and no matter how much we understand it, there's always more. It's unbounded. It it. It doesn't yield to any sort of completeness. It's infinite. Like God setting us in the middle of a forest and saying, here, go explore. Yeah. And the forest keeps going and going and going and going. And every part of the forest is different. I mean, it's it's not just forest. Oh, here's more forest. Here's more forest. Here's more forest. Every part of the forest is unique in some way that makes it interesting, that makes it worth exploring. It's kind of like how, how space is, uh, in, in <laughs> yeah. that all the, the more we discover, the more we discover there is to discover. Right, right. I mean, what we reported a while ago that the, the planet that's constantly raining iron, molten iron yeah. in its atmosphere, or something Crazy. like that. So, anyway, so I think that it's it's worth at least. Thinking about the Trinity. I, I know that when it comes to God, there's, 
we can't really know God directly. We can't know about God directly. We only know about him. The, the philosophers like to say through analogy. So we have things that God has given us in our common experience, our common understanding, our lives, our, our, you know, the way this world works. He made this world intelligible so that we could explore it and understand it and, and get it and piece it together and get our minds around it, so to speak. Yeah. And, but he also made it in a way that as, as he re- has revealed more to us, uh, throughout salvation history and then culminating, of course, in, uh, Jesus and, uh, the revelation through the apostles and the foundation of the church. He has made this world in a way that reflects himself to us. So that as we look at this world, as we look at ourselves, as we explore those things and think about those things, we come to understand that there are things about God that correspond to what we have in our experience. For example, we, we talk about the justice of God. We know that God is just. God gives you know to each what he deserves. Kind of, because there's also God's mercy. Yeah. But we think of justice in ourselves. We have a concept of justice in our world, in our experience. And we think, okay, God is just. So now we, we know that we know something about God because God corresponds to that justice. But at the same time, it's only by analogy. It's not that God is some kind of perfection of our own concept of justice. It's not that God is like our idea of justice taken to an infinite extreme or anything like that. It's that there's something about God and something about how God is and how God relates to the universe that is in some manner reflected in our concept of justice that we're familiar with in this world. But when it comes to God, it's a whole different thing. Uh, likewise for mercy, likewise for a whole lot of other things that, in our experience. So that's what I mean by we can only understand God through analogy, through like the the uh, the veil of analogy. There's like a veil between us and the true understanding of God or the true, uh, you know, seeing of God as he is. So um, do you think that that veil will disappear entirely when we die, when we meet God? Or I think that is that the is essence of a beatific vision, yes. Okay. And we'll actually get into that in the second part of the okay. of the discussion. But yeah, that's that's exactly that's exactly the question that that, you know, we're, we're going to come back around to. Okay. Okay. So, all right. Taking those concepts, you know, just kind of putting that out there as as caveats that yes, there's something worth exploring here in the mystery of the tri- Trinity realizing we can never understand it all and realizing that whatever we do understand is still hidden. It's, it's still just by analogy and not by real understanding. Um, we can kind of start talking about that. And here, here's why one of the things I, reasons I wanted to talk about this when we were little, and I think probably most Catholics when they're little, um, we're told, Oh, three persons in one God. I mean, if you go to a Catholic grade school, hopefully you hear that in the first grade. I think we probably heard it before first grade. 
it's it's kind of one of those things that's you know you're just told and i don't know exactly I, I can't remember quite how my brain interpreted it i think my brain three persons and one god um was probably along the lines of oh yeah there's these three you know i don't know super beings or something like that that got together and they have this sort of tribunal godhead sort of thing that you know well okay. obviously that's not it that's that would be polytheism <laughs> yeah um and you know i think some other people s- sort of as they're trying to grapple with it if they try to grapple with it maybe some people don't care um they slip into a sort of modalism where oh the three persons are just more like personalities like it's the same person but they just come out in different ways relative to creation or something like that um and so when we talk about the three persons we just mean the three you know broad categories of how god interacts with the world well that's not what we mean either that's uh, a heresy that was condemned you know some time ago um yeah i think when really i was mean... a kid I, it was I, I just pictured the shamrock or the okay see clover. i didn't learn about the shamrock thing until as the shamrock was never useful to me for one thing because it's like i always thought of it as like okay so you've got three parts of a whole but by the time i was really becoming aware by the time i, I like i had been introduced to the shamrock as an image you know that saint patrick used for god i was also old enough to understand no that doesn't quite get it because the three leaves are all parts of one plant, but each leaf isn't individually the plant. And I already knew that that in the mystery of the Trinity, each person is fully God. Yeah, I didn't. You're actually the one who explained that to me because uh, oh. somebody said the mystery <laughs> of the Trinity. And I was like, what are you talking about mystery? It's I mean, we learned this in first grade or whatever grade I was in. I said it, it's a three leaf clover. So. And you're like, no, that's not, you're not, you're thinking of it wrong. And then we had that discussion. Okay. Okay. That, I don't even remember that. And, but and uh, I well. was real young. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's like, okay, you don't mean that, you know, it's, it's not right to say that the father is one third of God. It's right to say that the father is fully God and the son is fully God, but the yeah. father is not the son and the son is not the father. It's like, what does all this mean? It, and honestly, if if all you have to go on is, well, this is what our faith teaches and you have to believe it, otherwise you're going to go to hell. It's like, well, okay, I'll just kind of Gloss make myself yeah. believe that the words are somehow true without having any concept of what the words mean. It's like I'll, I'll believe in a three persons and one being God the same way I I might decide that, that okay, I'll, I'll believe in a square circle if it means I'm going to go to hell if I don't. I have no idea what it means. I'll just believe that it's possible and true, and I won't try to think about it any further. Okay. Well, but then what happens when you're trying to pray to the Father or to the Holy Spirit or something like that? I mean, praying to Jesus is one thing because we kind of have an image of Jesus. He became a man like us, he hung on a cross. We can pray to Jesus as he hangs on the cross or as he makes himself bread in the Holy Eucharist. And it's like, okay, well, this is the son. I don't know what it means to be the son. I don't know what it means to be the father of the Holy Spirit in that sort of Godhead there. So I, I don't have access to the father or the Holy Spirit except as some kind of weird nonsensical 
grammatical construct that I'm just going to, so I'll, I'll pray to this grammar or this set of words rather yeah. than to a person. It, you know what I mean? Now, yeah. I don't know if anybody actually gets into that crisis. I don't think I ever really did, but I could see how a lot of people could end up there and I could see how it could end up resulting in a very dull faith yeah. without a sense of relationship with God. Okay. Yeah, I do. I so, always just, to be honest, I almost always pray to Jesus. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> and, and I mean, you know, Jesus gave us the prayer to the Father. He said, when you pray, pray this. And he gave us the Our Father. Yeah. So he wants us to pray to the Father. Um, but it's like, well, okay, what, what does that mean? Right. But it's hard so, to bring about any kind of dialogue or internal prayer other than the Our Father. Right. Yeah, exactly. So now here, when I was in, I think it was eighth grade. It might've been seventh. I, I forget. I had the same religion teacher. It was uh, Mr. Hour. Um, and he gave a, what I think is the, like considered basically the, the correct analogical model of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't give it in, uh, what I'm going to call Thomistic or Aristotelian terms that allowed me to really see it for what it is. And that's, that's this insight that just a few months ago I kind of happened on that, that got me real excited about this topic. Um, but the way he said it is if you think about the father and the father has an awareness of himself and his awareness of himself and his knowledge about himself is so complete that that's a whole other person. And then the, and that's the son. And then the father's knowledge and love for the son and the son's knowledge and love for the father are so complete that together that forms yet another person. And that's the Holy uh, Spirit. I think that was originally from, uh, Sheen, Fulton Sheen. Well, I think I think even Fulton Sheen was was restating it. I think oh, it's, it's okay. much older than Fulton Sheen. Uh, first time I heard, I, and that's why I'm saying I'm, it's it's yeah. not like I, I don't want to claim to have come up with something new, but it still didn't quite. I, I mean, it's like, oh wow, okay, that that got clear. me over a a sort of mental hump, but not all the way because it's like, oh, what does that mean? Like, if I can be a, if I have enough knowledge of myself, my knowledge will be another person. I, can I do that? Can I, it's like, I don't know, some kind of astral yeah. projection or something like that. Um, it didn't, it, it like sort of creaked the door open a little bit, but didn't really shed much light. Yeah. Um, so here's, here's, now I'm going to start getting into what I sort of realized is really meant to be in, implied by that model. And, and this is something that goes all the way back to Aristotle. Uh, now Aristotle did not believe in the Trinity. He didn't conceive of the Trinity, but the kinds of ideas that I'm going to talk about are Aristotelian and then later, uh, what we would call Thomistic because St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, used a lot of these ideas from Aristotle in developing, uh, both his, his sense of metaphysics and theology. So, Okay. And again, this is by analogy. So we start with things that we know and that we're familiar with. So think about a tree. All right. You can 
contemplate a particular tree, like, you know, the, the pine tree in your front yard or something like that. When you contemplate that tree, uh, I don't know if contemplate is the right word if you're not actually beholding it like directly, but, but when you, I think contemplate is the right word. When you think about that tree and hold the image of your tree, that tree in your mind, when you're sort of beholding the tree, even though it's not right there in front of you, there is a form of that tree that's in your mind. Now, in Aristotelian uh, concept about the world, all of these things that we experience, uh, trees, uh, dogs, horses, rocks, and so forth, are things that we call substances. And a substance in the material world is a combination of matter and form. And the matter is the thing that gives the form a, uh, how can I say it? It gives the form that fixed continuity within the real world. And the form is what makes the matter what it is. So if you have a tree, there's the form of that tree that makes it a tree. And then there's the matter of the tree that allows the form to make the tree do what it does, which is grow and stuff like that. So, and, and in this sense, it, for a living thing like a tree, the form of the tree is the soul of the tree. The, the, the words are identical. They mean exactly the same thing. The, the soul of a living thing is its form, but there can also be a separate form of the tree in your mind. When you contemplate the tree, now there is a separate form of that tree that is distinct from the form that is the soul of the tree, making that matter be what it is, that tree. It's only in your mind. It's a immaterial form that's in your mind, but it is a real form. It has real existence. It's not something that, oh, the tree has the real existence and the thing in your mind has uh, some kind of non-existence. No, the, the form is real in your mind just as real as the form that's making the tree what it is. Okay. But the form in your mind can come and go out of existence because it's not material. All right, all right. So Let's... the ma material is what gives the form constancy, but you can also have the form in your mind. Now, wait a minute. when wait, you're wait, contemplating wait. that tree, do you wait. have a question? Yeah. Let's okay. let's do another tree. All right. Cuz I a hate different that one tree. than the pine tree you mean? Yeah, it's so ugly. It is the ugliest <laughs> okay. tree that you can possibly imagine. And okay, it's help up, right help over up my house. It could fall any second. I have a sense of dread because I've been trying to picture this tree and it's creeping into my windows and it's just going to fall any minute. How about the tree? How about the, the, uh, rasp, is it raspberries? The, the tree that the goats used to climb. Yeah. Okay. We'll do that one. We used to climb it too. That was our treehouse tree. That's where we always That's put right. the treehouse. The treehouse tree. Okay. So. All right. Now, the thing is, that tree's actually dead and gone, so if you contemplate that tree, there aren't two forms. There's only one, the one in your mind. <laughs> well, part of it's still there. Okay, here's the, the thing about that tree. The tree's been dead for 15 years now, but okay. all of our tree houses went into that tree. So there are 5 billion nails in that tree. <laughs> you can't and cut it down. You can't, you can't use a chainsaw to cut it up. So it's just there. And it's, it's a, like a 20 foot log 
now, but we can't do anything with it. Because the second you start cutting it, you get sparks everywhere. You have to get one of those those metal cutting sawzalls or something. Yeah, with a really long blade because it's a. I don't it's know. like it's a like. I I'll bet it's a it's a foot and a half thick. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing: what would happen if you fed one of those branches with a billion nails in it into a wood chipper? Are those are those designed to be able to handle nails, or would it probably mess not that up too? Probably not, and. Uh, my only wood chipper, you can't really fit anything bigger than, you know, two inches in, so. Oh, no, no. I mean, like a commercial one, the the kind that'll take like six inch logs and stuff. Well, if we rented one, who cares? We could find out. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't tell us not to feed nails into it. <laughs> yeah. I okay. Don't, so. Okay. So we're going to picture that tree, though. All right. It's, it's, yeah, the treehouse tree. Treehouse tree. tree. All right. All right. Now, here's the thing. As you picture that tree, as, you know, the form of that tree in your mind can be more or less perfect or complete as it corresponds more or less to the real tree that's out there. So the more detailed you are in the real arrangements of those branches, the more perfect that tree in your mind, the form of that tree is that you know you're you're holding in your head and the, okay. but the thing is even if you could like picture it in every detail every leaf of course that changes season by season right every branch the the specific um what's the word the, the specific uh like texture components of the bark on every square inch of the tree and stuff like that right um okay. even if even if all of that, all at once, were in that that contemplation of the tree in your mind. Well, then you've got the the part of the tree that makes it what it is, which is a living tree. You've got the biological processes of the individual cells of the tree and the molecular structure of the cellulose that gives it its uh, structure and, and makes the wood hard and stuff like that. You yeah. you know you don't have all that. You got to pour all that into it, and, and so you, you, the you keep going yeah. and going and going. Okay, so anyway, point is, it's very hard to have a a perfect form of something in your mind that's outside of yourself because you have to draw it all the way in. But here's the thing: let's set aside the tree and let's think about yourself. You can contemplate yourself. You have an image of yourself. That you can hold in your mind. Now, you know, the image of myself that I hold in my mind is pretty imperfect. And I don't mean that it's imperfect because I'm a flawed human being. I mean that it doesn't correspond to the real me. I mean, the image of myself has a body like Arnold Schwarzenegger and a voice like Tony Bennett. But I find that most people don't have a good image of themselves in their own minds. Right. That's, yeah, exactly. But here's the thing. You could. You could have an honest image of yourself. I could. One yeah, could. I could. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Most people can't. You can. I can. I just. <laughs> so you can, you have an image of yourself that includes not only the picture of yourself physically and a, let's say, a contemplation of your capabilities, 
uh-huh. strengths and weaknesses and everything, but also an understanding of your emotional makeup, the way you respond to different things, the way you feel about different things, how you might react in different situations, how you think about other people. You have a mental image of you that includes your mental images of other things. You know what I mean? You can, yeah. you can really get detailed in, in this, this self image that you hold in your brain. Now, right. here's the thing. Just like with the tree, when the tree is out there and you're contemplating the tree in your mind, there are two true forms of that tree. The one that is given material permanence in the tree itself and the one that exists in your brain as long as you're contemplating it. In that same way, there's two true forms of you. The one that makes up, you know, your physical, that that gives form to your physical body. Uh-huh. And then the one that's in your mental self-image. And both of them are real forms of you. But just like the tree, the one inside of your mind is imperfect because, just like the tree, well... You don't necessarily know every square inch of your body. There's, let's face it, certain parts of yourself that you can't see and some parts that you well, just don't want to see. Well, plus the, <laughs> plus the internal. Maybe for most people. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen myself. I'm pretty good. <laughs> well, you probably haven't seen your innards. <laughs> I no, I yeah, I haven't. Your entrails. You're right. right. I haven't seen my entrails yet. Yet. We're going to examine that next week. We'll get get a borescope and stick it. uh, I won't say where we'll stick. See, now I know everything. I've had a colonoscopy. I'm going to go schedule a colonoscopy and tell them it's because I I I want to know myself. I know myself inside and out. <laughs> but okay. then, like I said, but there's also even things then, like yeah. the cellular processes that make up, you know, your kind of your, you your biological know. existence and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But here's the thing. Let's suppose that a particular human was granted some like extreme gift of mental acuity and expansiveness that he was able to contemplate all of that at one time about himself in his own mind, then there would be a perfect form of himself in his mind. Well, not quite perfect. Why? Because the real form of himself has the permanency. I won't say the real form, the the original form of himself that, that, you know, inheres in his body has the permanency given to it by the material of the body. Yeah. And the form in his mind does not have that. And so in that sense, it's still imperfect. Okay. Now, let's take that idea and transfer it to God or somebody like God. So God is immaterial and he's infinite. So... If he's infinite, then he has, by definition, the capacity to hold an image of himself, his infinite self, inside his own 
contemplation. He can behold himself. He can contemplate himself. Entirely. Entirely. And he's immaterial. So when he contemplates himself, it doesn't lack the perfection of needing material permanence that things here in our, our material universe need. Yeah. But there's something else. And this is, this is again, we've we got to go back to a little bit of Aristotle. Um, all of these other things that we talk about in the world, tree, rocks, and ourselves, have this... It's there's a uh, composition, not just of form and matter, but a composition of what philosophers will call essence and existence. So the essence is what you are or what a thing is, and the existence is the fact that it is there, the fact that it exists. So to give you an example of of how those are separated, uh. Well, the treehouse tree is a real thing. It has essence and existence, but it it didn't have to exist. We could, in our minds, we could together sit down and between us, I mean, just one of us individually could do it mm-hmm. by himself, but we could even between us come up with a different treehouse tree somewhere else in the neighborhood that never existed. It that treehouse tree would have an essence of what it is, but it would not have existence. Okay. I see what you mean. Um, another example would be like, um, you know, fire-breathing dragons or unicorns, you know, fantastical creatures that, you know, if, if I say unicorn, you know what that means. Yeah. It has an essence. That's why we can talk about it meaningfully and we, we can assign a word to it and make it part of a vocabulary, but they don't exist. Yeah. So that's that concept that, that, so material things are not only composed of form and matter, they're also composed of essence and existence. And when the essence and existence are separated, not, not like they're, they're two things that you can pull out one or the other and take it apart, put it back together. But when they're, when they're distinct, we call that a contingent thing. It's a thing that doesn't need to exist. It might exist, but it doesn't have to. Wait a minute. Um, so, the- wait a minute. We need to. Okay, I, you lost me here for a second. Okay. It has essence. It has existence, and then what? If you- the essence is is the fact that it's composed of essence plus existence makes it a contingent thing. That that's. I'm I'm just putting a definition out there of contingency. A contingent thing is a thing that exists but didn't need to exist like the treehouse tree it the world would make sense if that treehouse tree wasn't there okay but so i'm trying to think of something that doesn't have contingency well that's the thing according to aristotle and thomas aquinas agrees there is exactly one thing that does not have contingency it's called the necessary being and that's what the definition of God is. Okay. And but well, here's see, the thing. See, I was already there. You were already there. If God is the necessary being, it's because he's not composed of essence and existence. His essence is that he exists. His existence is his essence. 
unlike all these other things that we can talk about. The unicorn's okay. essence is not its existence. Its its essence is one thing. Its existence is, well, not there at all. <laughs> okay. The treehouse tree has an essence. It also had existence. It doesn't have existence anymore, but it did uh, as a living tree. Um, so all of these contingent things, they have essences, and then they also have existences. But God, his essence is to exist. There's no such thing as a distinction between the essence and existence. But here's the thing. What does that mean for the contemplation of God by himself? If God is aware of himself, if God has an image of himself, and that image is a duplicate of his form, of his essence, then that image is also necessarily a duplicate of his existence. It's a whole other person. Hmm. If God beholds himself, that beholding, that act of beholding is another person because it's another whole essence and existence. The entirety of the divine essence is in both the beholder and the beheld now. The beholder and the beheld are one and the same, and the beholding is also the divine essence. So that's what the son is, the father beholding himself so because when he has his self image it's it's not just like the perfect copy of the form it's not just a perfect awareness but it's the entirety of the essence but then that means it's also the entirety of the existence because you can't separate those in god okay now so two persons all right great but what about this one being thing? Doesn't that just mean that, mean that there's two gods now? Okay, here's where we go back to the analogy. Think about your self-image. And no matter how perfect it is, and, and just drive it to, you know, like infinite perfection, that self-image, that image of your mind, of yourself, that form that you hold in your mind of yourself is a process that's going on inside of you. It's a process that's being moved within your own substance. Okay. It is part of your substance. Your self-image is part of your substance. It's not a different substance. Yeah. So that's where we end up with God. Okay, wait a minute. There's two persons now, but because the one is the self-image of the other... They're part, they're the same substance. They're not like two separate beings. That yeah. Are, you, yeah. You know, they're, okay. You see now, like I said, this, this whole thing, it's, it's very analogical. It's like, okay, nobody should take this explanation and, 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 you know, snap their fingers and say, Oh, now I understand the Trinity. <laughs> no, yeah. <it's>, yeah. <laughs> but what it can do is if I've explained it well enough, uh, if there's somebody who's struggling with this, I don't even know how to pray to the individual persons of the Trinity because I this is just nonsense the way it's explained. Maybe this can get you over that. Yeah, now like you can me, pray I, to the Father, and now you can pray to the Son. I just always prayed to. I almost always to pray to the anyway. Son unless I'm saying the Our Father, and or the prayer to the Holy Spirit. But I don't really have anywhere for my mind to rest as I do that. Yeah. I'm just repeating right. words and. Right. Yeah, it would uh, 
that that would help a lot. Um, okay. But I'm now. You know, I, maybe I like admit. a week to think about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's something you now, want to think about as you're trying to fall asleep. It, <laughs> I've thought about it many times while trying to fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, you know, and it's kind of like uh, one of the psalms. Uh, you know, on 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 you, I contemplate as uh, what was the song about? Of you know, I, I don't know it. Think of you as I'm falling asleep. You know, on you, my mind. You know, you you I contemplate as I lay in my bed at night, or something like that. Is you know, it's a uh, right. anyway. So here's the thing. I I I'm a little bit weak now at the next part, which is the Holy Spirit. And yeah. I I think the Holy Spirit is something that even all the theologians have struggled with more than with the father and the son. But yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to present my concept and it's going to be something that is incomplete and that may be unsatisfactory for people. But like I said, you're not going to understand the Trinity in its entirety. You're, you know, the, the best right. you can hope for is to grasp something and then maybe more, and then maybe more, and then maybe, and then that'll never end, no matter how much you think about it. But here's where I am right now on this. Okay, so the Father's image of himself is the Son, and it's a perfect image. And if you think of then the Son being a complete image of the Father, then the Son is also a person, and therefore, the two persons can relate. The son is aware of the father, and the father, of course, is aware of the son. Even though the son's existence is the father's awareness of himself, that's the, you know, we say the son is begotten of the father. Um, yeah. But the father is also aware of the son, just like you can be aware, you know, you have a self-image, fine. But it's not like that's the fact of that self-image is hidden from you. You're also aware of your self-image and you can even yeah. compare it to yourself and correct it and kind of, you know, grow it and perfect it and stuff like that. So the father is aware of the son, but the son, because he is a person is aware of the father. And so you have this act where the father beholds the son and loves the son and the son beholds the father and loves the father but it's the same act because the son is the self-image of the father. Yeah. Okay. This is, this is where it could, I, I feel like I'm describing something that's a little bit like, like when you have two opposing mirrors and, and they're reflecting back and forth and it's like, you know, some kind of something like that. I don't know. But, yeah. But this beholding of each other is then a single act, but it is a third image of the Godhead. Hey. The Son's image of the Father, which is the same as the Father's image of the Son, and that's the Holy Spirit. And it's an image in love because for God to behold, you know, God beholds the Son and therefore loves the Son. The Son beholds the Father and therefore loves the Father, and that is one and the same act, and that third simultaneous image of the Godhead is the love of the Father for the Son, which is the Holy Spirit. Now, that's where I am. I, I don't well, have a, a lot. How about that. this? <laughs> um, okay. 
Okay, because you said, well, that's kind of like two mirrors facing each other. But in a mirror who's facing another mirror, and if you look at it, each one of those, uh, each one yeah, of those images. copy so images a little bit smaller. gets a little yeah. bit smaller and smaller and smaller. But with the Trinity, yeah, they don't get smaller. It reverberates. Instead. It's the entirety of the, it's, yeah, the entire essence, the, the whole divine essence. The way, it's, it's not, uh, sound waves, right, a shrinking of it, uh, reverberate and get bigger and bigger instead until it's so big that it makes a sonic boom. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. So, <laughs> something like that, but There's, you know what I mean. Well, like I said, that's the, the, the Holy Spirit is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit weak on it, but, I think it has a lot to do with this idea of the the father and the son seeing each other, being aware of each other, um, and beholding each other. And I think yeah. I think that is the essence of the love that we say is the interior life of the Holy Trinity. And in fact, you know, when we use words like God is love, um, I think that's what that refers to. Yeah. Okay, that so that that's that's what I have on the Trinity, and like I said, that's this. Okay, the 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 explanation from Mister Hour. Okay, you can see how yeah, that does kind of map to what he said, right? But, but a little bit more a, applying that Aristotelian concept in this this sort of analogy to the reference of oh wait a minute yeah I can have an image of myself same substance but a separate form. And, and realizing that, that this can be part of, or a, a, uh, a sort of a weak shadow of what's going on in the Trinity. Right. Uh, kind of, it, you know, it, to me, that was real exciting, uh, to kind of have that realization. Okay. So now, good. So it's only taken us about 50 minutes. We can turn to the second part, which will be faster. Okay. Uh, it's a little bit shorter. I think that this idea that we just explained about the Trinity holds a sort of... What's that? I snipped. Oh, sorry. So I think this idea holds a insight into the purpose of creation. Because God didn't need to create. He's completely happy. You know, we say, oh, God is wholly happy inside of himself. He doesn't need us at all. Uh, so why did he make us? Well... You know, St. Augustine says that God creates out of love. You know, what, yeah. what is that? Well, he creates because he loves his creatures. Okay, that's Well, that fine. doesn't make that's sense, good. though, because how can he love something that he hasn't created? Yeah, right. And and then there's, it's like, well, okay. That, um, But here's a, a statement from John, uh, the first letter of John, that's always puzzled me. John's talking about, you know, John was always kind of the theological writer his, as the evangelist his his gospel is a little bit more uh theological yeah and john said talks he's talking about you know ultimately the beatific vision and and our ultimate destiny as the faithful as christians and he says that we know that when he shall appear this is when christ you know the second coming we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And I've always kind of 
wondered about that line. What what does that mean? What does seeing God as he is have to do with being like God? It's like, well, you know, if I see something that doesn't make me like it, if I see a, a bear that doesn't make me like a bear. So yeah. going through this exercise of thinking about the Trinity got me to thinking about this a little bit more deeply. Um, if you consider, you know, we talked about contemplation, like contemplating a tree or something like that. Mm-hmm. And contemplation is principally an act of beholding something. We're holding the form of it in our minds. Um, separately from the form that's out there that, that we're beholding. So, you know, when we behold something, well, now there's kind of two of them, uh, at least for material things. Mm-hmm. Now, with God, we can't have a separate form to behold. That's that's why we can never truly, at least of our own natural powers, contemplate God. Because his essence and his existence are are one and the same, the only way that we could like contemplate God is if God were to exist in us. Not only in his essence, but in his existence in us. And so for us to sort of behold him, he would have to kind of pour himself into us or fill us with himself, sort of. Yeah. So that's why we can't contemplate his divinity under our own power. I mean, we can contemplate truths about God. Like, we can contemplate the nativity. We can picture, you know, Mary and and, and Joseph and the baby Jesus and, 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 and right. consider the truth that that baby is the second person of the Holy Trinity or the cross. And the man on the cross is the second person of the Holy Trinity, um, and, and these various things. We can contemplate those, and that's, I think, part of why Jesus became, you know, one of us. You know, one mm-hmm. of the, the things that he's giving us is the ability to to more easily enter into a sort of uh, contemplative prayer. But we can't really contemplate God at God's level. Right. So... That kind of turns us, you know, we go back to St. Augustine. He says, God creates out of love. Well, what is the greatest love? And for God, that's to give himself. Now, I want to break off here and separate an act of love from God as God in his divinity. Um, And the reason I want to sort of break that off as a thing from the act of Jesus on the cross, which is an act of love, um, is this, Jesus said when he was, uh, giving his discourse to the apostles, um, at the last supper that a man has no greater love than to give his life for his friends. He's talking about a man. Okay. He's talking about us in our human yeah. forms and himself in his human nature. He's giving the greatest act of love that a human being can give, which is to give his life for another person. Okay, but for God, in his divine essence, the greatest act of love that God can do is to put himself into another, to give himself to a creature, to another. Well, creature or not, even like when the father gives himself to the son and the son to the father, we talked about the Holy Spirit. That's that, that greatest act of love because God is the greatest good. So there can be no greater act of love 
than for God to give himself to another. So, and in fact, that's, to me, that's why, that's why the Eucharist is a, um, I don't know if we talked about this on our podcast ever. It's a self-proving proposition, at least the Catholic sense of the Eucharist. Because somebody proposes now. What's that? I don't think we talked about this. Okay. So we Catholics propose and believe that in the Eucharist is Jesus himself, body, blood, soul, his human soul, and his divinity, divinity, his divine essence is there contained, giving himself to us to consume, to become part of us so that we are continually over and over every time we go to mass and in a state of grace receive holy communion we are bringing the entirety of christ into ourselves including his divine essence now if the greatest possible act of love is for god to give himself into another then that means we are claiming as catholics that that's exactly what god is doing in the holy eucharist that god is in that Holy Eucharist, performing the greatest possible act of love. Right. But here's the thing. Suppose God isn't really doing that. Suppose the Eucharist is false. It's just a symbol. It's, you know, it doesn't really change into Jesus and so forth. Then that means that we are imagining a greater act of love than which God is performing. That if the Eucharist is not real, then we, in our imaginations, have outdone God in his act when it comes to love. Okay. I I see what you're saying. I'd have to think about that for a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because then, you know, it's like, okay, wait a minute. Hey, God, there's, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't go all the way. Uh, Right. So, okay. Anyway. You only did it symbolically and, okay, I see. So it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like, okay, wait a minute. So I, I believe God is giving himself to me, but no, God's not going that far. Right. Oh, wait a minute. You mean I thought of an act of love that, that God's unwilling to do? Okay. Cause if we can think of something I mean? better, then God would have already done it. Right. Okay. I see. See what I mean? <clears throat> or, and, and there's nothing you can bring that is a greater act here in our human forms than the Holy Eucharist that you can say, yeah, that's a, bigger act of love, you know, for God to do than the Holy Eucharist. You're not going to top it. Yeah, I can't think of anything bigger. I I mean... I mean, I, I think as a lot... It surpasses the imagination. No one ever would have thought this up. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, so... Uh, and I think that's, that's why the Eucharist is so important to the, the sacramentality of the Christian life and the Christian faith is... It, it's why it, it goes it's, back... Mm-hmm. Why it was so important to uh, for Satan to um, oppose and to say he's not doing that, it's not real, and why the Lutherans and all the other Protestants who who opposed the Catholic Church, that was the main thing. Yeah, the Eucharist. Yeah. So interesting. By the way, Luther himself. I don't know. I don't know what exactly the Lutheran concept of the Eucharist is, but Luther himself um, still fully believed in in the real presence. In fact, he he would get into 
bad arguments with people uh, like Zwingli and others. Uh, I, I, there was somebody who was ar- arguing with, and and Luther ended up grabbing a knife and carving into the table they were sitting at. This is my body. The words of Jesus at the Last Supper, and underlining the word is. Um, but the I but I think like among the various Protestants, maybe Lutherans and Anglicans are the only ones who have that same concept of the real presence that that is even close to the catholics uh, most of the others have diverged from that i thought that the lutherans were the ones that uh went and took the eucharist out of one of the churches and and fed it to swine or something like that i i have this weird story oh, that, that would be, i remember that would surprise telling. me see see if you can find that for the next okay i yeah i don't know why i i Thinking something I heard on Taylor Marshall or something. Uh, maybe I'm getting this so wrong that it's not even, wouldn't even. I mean, I could see some of the Protestants uh, contemporary with Luther doing that. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. Either way. Right. Um, right. But all right. That's that's. But this comes back to the idea of God giving Himself into us, which you know He does in the, the Eucharist in a, uh, let's say, a non permanent way. Yeah, and it's 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 not that God is not permanent; it's that we're not permanent. So you got to um, keep going back, you know. So yeah, yeah. we got to keep returning to the Eucharist. But okay, here's the thing, though: if God creates out of love, as Saint Augustine says, and if the greatest gift of God is to give Himself to another, then His Love, the, the motivation of love under which he creates the universe, under which he creates us, under which he creates the angels, must be to give himself to them, to somehow put himself into them. Yeah. Because himself, he is the gift of love that he could give that which he creates. But here's, here's the interesting, uh, and to me, a, a little bit startling, but, but really fun, uh, realization when you consider what it means for God to, you know, give himself to something, to put himself into a creature and how that relates to the things we talked about, contemplation and so forth. It's this, this simple statement, God creates in order to be beheld. I'm in trouble making that connection. Because in order for God to be beheld, he has to pour himself into the beholder. Okay. For me yeah. to behold God, because I can't behold just the form of God. I have I to, see. in order for me to behold God, God has to, he has to fill me with himself. There. Yeah. Well, that then the statement in the first letter of John makes sense. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Yeah. And that's why God creates us, to behold him, so that he can fill us with himself. And and in a way that doesn't, that we don't stop being ourselves, of course. But that's what he wants to do. He wants to fill the angels with himself. He wants to fill us with himself. And, of course, it has to be something that we freely accept. So, you know, a third of the angels went to hell. And bunches of people are going to hell. But for those who accept him, that's why he's created us, to fill us with himself so that we can behold him. I, uh, 
I often wonder, does he love the angels the way he loves humans? I don't know if he, you know, I don't know if he, I don't know if there would be a difference in how he loves the angels versus how he loves humans. Yeah. But here's something that I kind of wondered. So, and maybe this is another podcast episode, uh, or maybe it's just a, a short, stupid discourse or a, a question. But, you know, I was thinking the other day about how, you know, we're made in the image and likeness of God. It doesn't say that anywhere about the angels, except right. for, uh, like, like the name Michael means who is, who is like God. Like God. Yeah. Um, so eh, maybe a little bit, but, um, one of the thing, I mean, we, we often say, oh yeah, image and likeness of God. That means we have will and intellect. Okay. We can know things and we can do things under our own power of agency, blah, blah, blah. But one of the things that we do as humans, that's part of our nature that we don't see anywhere in the animal world is acts of compassion. And we do acts of compassion even when we don't have grace in us, without divine grace. Right. In fact, one of the, uh, what, what, um, what our archaeologists consider, uh, or anthropologists consider, uh, to be the earliest signs of true man are not tools, but, uh, medical things like a splint or something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, something that shows that, these people had compassion for each other. Well, that's something that I wonder, do the angels have that? Do they have, do the angels have the ability to have that sort of self-giving concern for another creature? Like, you know, yeah. we will see somebody else and, 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 and our, more generous moments, we will give up something we have, something we want, something that we might not even be able to quickly recover so that somebody else can get out of some kind of pain or something or trouble or whatever, something like that. It's like, okay, you know, that somehow we're built so that it causes us discomfort to witness discomfort yeah. in others. You know, and I um, got to think, okay, let's say... When Jacob wrestled the angel, yeah. If other men were there, they'd probably chip in and help. Maybe if other angels, well, other angels were there and none of them helped him. Right. Neither Jacob nor the angel. <laughs> yeah. They're like, no, you guys, whatever. But exactly. It's thing. like the, each angel is its own, you know, thing. And I, I wonder if that's, and in fact, I wonder if that is one of the things. That made uh, some of the angels jealous that led them to right. uh, rebel. I don't know. I'm just, I, this, this is just pure speculation. I've never read right. anything hinting at this anywhere. It just somehow occurred to me. I wonder if that's part of what is meant in the Bible when it says that in his image he made us. You know what? We should do a podcast just on that because there's a lot of things that I think of when I... I think that means a lot more than is commonly said, uh, mm -hmm. made in its image. Um, for example, angels don't have the power to create either, and we can create. Because we can, we can think up another treehouse tree that doesn't really exist. Oh, that's true. Or unicorns right. or stuff like that. Uh, I, don't, right. I don't think the angels can do that. And then we could yeah, paint it's it like, or uh, draw, draw a picture because, of it. Even when God allows, it. like, possessing angels, like, you know, some of the things that 
people vomit and stuff like that. Yeah. But they're things that already exist. Right. It's like the the new the thing. demons are copying, not creating. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that is a whole lot to think about. Uh, yeah, it took longer than I thought it would. I would almost divide that up into two, but um, they go together so much. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay, yeah. That is a good reflection. All right. And I'm going to start talking about news, news, which... I have to mark myself here. All kinds of... Okay, first of all, there's there's a couple big things in the Catholic world. Um, the, The Pope... Talking about the way, you know, gay shouldn't be illegal. And I just... I don't even, I don't even know how to respond to that. It, and the way he said it is, gay's a sin, yes, but not a crime. It's like, well, yeah, it is. It's it's a crime in several areas. What do you mean it's not a crime? Or if he's saying it's not supposed to be a crime, or it shouldn't be a crime, I don't know. But it, it's just such an idiotic thing for a pope to say. I think. And, he probably believes that there should not be laws against things like fornication and adultery. Or, or... He, how, how can you possibly say there shouldn't be laws against homosexuality and not also mean that there shouldn't be laws against any kind of, you know, sexual, sexual misbehavior? Yeah. Unless he's saying that being same-sex attracted is not a... Crime. But that's not well, a that, sin that's either. Dumb. Because that would be that would be saying like, yeah, that's not a sin either. So yeah, it's, he said <laughs> it was a sin, but not a crime. Sin, but not a crime. So, so I don't know. It, it's just yeah, he's, this pope is so stupid. Uh, we you know. have we have. Uh, I mean, we actually put a whole book out about how bad this pope is and how many just in one little document how many bad things he says and backwards things that he says i guess there's nothing it's getting to where it's like you can't he can't even surprise me you know i mean he he keeps topping himself but it's almost yawn yeah the pope said something even worse than he said last week and it's like okay next week he's gonna say something even worse (laughs) yeah whatever so, I don't know, there's that, and then, you know, Pope Benedict, um, I can't remember our last show. He was coming out with this book, and, or that... He had passed his, away, and there was his secretary that was supposed to be coming out, out with, with this book. book. And I hear Did people... Did he come out with it? Yeah, he came out with it, and it, I didn't anything get it or read it. it. I figure if there's something really startling there, someone else would have talked about it. I have a feeling it's really just a big yawn. Yeah. I mean, what can they tell us that we don't, we didn't already even suspect, but, uh, and then he, did we talk about this? His, his final words or his last testament? Oh, but that was like, like, that was like before he even retired, wasn't it? Yeah, I was going to say that was long... that was a long time ago that he wrote that, and it was like, I, I, 
I mean, I, I heard a couple of uh, analyses of it that people were wondering about some of the things he said in it, but, but yeah. mostly I think that was kind of... Although some people are, are thinking maybe he didn't even write that because some of it doesn't sound much like Pope Benedict. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it matters one way or another. I mean... Yeah. And then I, I guess you know what recently happened. Um, Timothy Gordon's... Uh, funding source his main funding source was cut off from him I heard uh, that so Patreon which he used as you know the, Patreon is just a site where people can say hey I'm doing this work if you would like to support me you can donate to me through Patreon I don't know if Patreon keeps a certain like a percent of what you donate or something like that I don't know how they I imagine they money. do but, and then but, on top of that, you can also say, and if you support me, I can offer you extra stuff. Like, I, I assume right. that people, yeah, Patreon, a lot of people do stuff like get, that. get yeah. extra podcasts that the rest of us don't get, whatever. Yeah. Um, that might be posted right on Patreon or whatever. He said stuff about gays, and then Patreon said, hey, you can't say that they didn't even tell him what he said they just said we're gonna cancel you that's kind of gone back and forth a couple times now but yeah and they keep doubling down and he keeps he keeps he keeps doubling down no i'm not gonna take it off and here's why you shouldn't be allowed to make me and here's what the law says uh here's what but i haven't actually heard any of a podcast i'm summarizing what my son told me about it yeah um, here's what I don't understand about that whole thing. And about all these guys, including Taylor Marshall. First of all, they keep, they, they disguise all their words. They won't say gay. They'll, well, some of them will say gay, but they won't, uh, they won't say COVID half the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's word, trigger words that they try not to use. We never did that. And I mean, just when our podcast started getting a little bit of notice on YouTube, first I, I could you could see how it worked. They first they got shadow banned, and then we just got eliminated. And they just, huh. they sent us a letter saying your your channel's gone, all your videos are gone, forget it. Yeah. So for that reason, which we knew it was coming anyway. We never even put any... We never tried to get YouTube followers. Right. Um, we will never try to get money out of this podcast um, because it's just a hobby. On top of that, you know, here's the thing. I remember like almost 15 years ago now, I tried to make a living at writing, uh, mm-hmm. the copywriting stuff and marketing, and right. I discovered something. If I'm not producing something, I'm not happy. I mean, I mean a, 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 a something solid, something that does something. You know what I mean? I have to work not just with my hands, but even if I'm like designing websites for someone or doing some kind of work that has an end product, I just I could never be happy uh, doing something like podcasting all day. You know what I mean? I just I know that that is a product. You're 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 producing entertainment, but I have to I have to be working with my hands. Huh? So um, you 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 need to be producing some kind of artifact. 
Whether it's an Maybe electronic an artifact. one or a physical one. Right. It could be a virtual one, but it has right. to be a something. Thing. You're not just... Uh, okay. That accomplishes something, you know? Yeah. If you go, if I make a website, it'll take orders for people, or it will give them information that they're there to look for. But I, I don't know. It's just it's that's interesting. So, um, so content so somehow the way your your psyche works, content isn't enough. Doesn't count as pro- being productive. Yeah, that's and, which which means co- being a copyright writer is. Not the thing for it's you. Just yeah, it just wasn't it. I, it. So does that? But that does that also go for your your um, your own writing? I mean, does is that is that does that have to remain I, as a hobby and not a main job? Even I, I think so. Become a bestseller. I think so. I mean, even That's interesting. if I would, but I have like five billion hobbies, like <laughs> uh, rebuilding typewriters. And okay, but that's making whatever. something. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's remaking it, but it's making something. Right. So maybe if I, as long as I have those other things, maybe I could just write books. But I oh, I see. Feel like, you, you yeah, know, I see what you're saying. I just, but you so have to even be doing, if, making something. Yeah. I, I, I don't, even if suddenly we were discovered and went viral and someone offered us a million dollars to do a podcast. I, I just don't think I would take it. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I like, I like what I do too much. Mm-hmm. But, um, where was I going with that? Oh, but if we were to try to start making money, the very last thing I would do is be a part or, or build our money making situation dependent on a company that I didn't trust. Oh, like YouTube. Like YouTube or Patreon. Or Patreon, right, right. So, and he admitted that he was kicking the can for a long time, and I'm like, well, why were you? Why because didn't you start moving? It takes people? a lot of energy to move stuff like once you have something set up as a foundation, it, it takes a ton of effort and energy to move it over to something like that. It took him to something else. All of two days to come up with three alternatives. I know, but to get everybody who's supporting you yeah, on I know. Patreon to be aware of those and to, you know. Right, but I, you, I think that's a lot of energy. I know, but as you're building, why are you building all in one spot? If well, you're yeah, going to build yeah. something like, knowing that's, that's what's going point. on nowadays. And yeah, every time I tune into to him, Taylor Marshall, I found another one I started listening to. Uh, a lot of these guys, they all say the same thing. Go to YouTube and like this video. Why? Yeah. Why are you telling people to do that? At least put two other alternatives. Go to Rumble and like the video. Yeah. Go to YouTube if that's where you watch it and like the video. At least try Check to find out. an alternative that doesn't mm-hmm. build YouTube but builds something else. Maybe right. even put up a link. Hey, look under the video right now. There's a link to whatever. You could start listening to me on this channel. I know that a lot of people won't do it, but I, I, I guess I, I'm too, I, I just, I can't imagine a world with people different from myself in it. <laughs> so I just assume everybody's doing what I do. And I have like, I have like five different platforms I listen to because half the people I listen to have been eliminated 
on YouTube. Oh, like right. Patrick Coffin. Speaking mm-hmm. of Patrick Coffin, have you? What's happened to him? He's gone. He's gone from what? Well, he's not gone. His his podcasts are still there, but he keeps bringing up old ones and reposting them as oh, new really? ones. He hasn't done anything new in quite a while. I didn't know that. Probably uh, six months. Maybe not that long. I don't know. But he's... Okay. I wonder what's sure? happened to Patrick Coffin. Yeah. So, like, the last one, the most recent one that I've got on my podcast addict, it was posted on 131. And yeah. And it's uh, Lieutenant Dave Grossman is one of my top percent... Yeah, that... Guess. He's, he's talked about video games, player. right? Talk about what? Video games. I listened to that podcast, to that discussion, like almost a year ago. That's an old one. Is that, so this talks about school shootings and uh, terrorist attacks are going to get worse, need to be prepared, don't succumb to the paralysis of fear, but that's actually an old podcast episode? Yeah, that's, unless I'm just got an extreme case of deja vu. And it doesn't say anything about video games. The word video games does not come up in this description. I I think he he talks a lot about video games in it. I think. Oh, okay. I started listening to it and I thought, oh, I've heard this before. So I just stopped. But I, And it's not just that, but sometimes it'll say episode 319 and you start listening to it and he'd say welcome to episode 150. Oh, okay. So I know it's happening. I just, I don't, I wonder if he's okay or is he well or there's just some, yeah, is he suffering some, uh, some kind of health hardship or something? Office, office. Because I, I enjoy most of this stuff. The thing I, is, I, a lot of these guys, I, it's not like I've listened to their podcasts forever. I've, I've, I've yeah. been listening to podcasts fairly recently in, in, in the podcast era. Right. And so, uh, I and I don't look at the numbers, you know, which number this is or anything like that. So right. they could be doing replays, and I wouldn't know it for maybe another two or three years. Yeah, and there, I mean, I think we started listening to them around the same time. The only difference between me and you is I spend sometimes every day, you know, four hours in the car every day. Well, that's right. You, you know? drive all so over the like, place. I drive. If I drive, it's to work and back. I'm constantly trying to find something new to listen to because I've listened to everything, and there's no, you know, no one's released a, a podcast in the past two days. So yeah. Um, so I don't know. Just anyway, uh, let's see. Why was I getting into Patrick Coffin? Oh, because he got the, canceled. Yeah, and it. Uh, yeah. So everybody knows they're going to be canceled or things. Heck, so Tim Gordon even admitted right up front. Yeah, he even admitted that uh, uh, Patreon works with YouTube. What makes him think YouTube isn't going to cancel him? Right. So why is he trying to build YouTube? I yeah, just yeah, people should be diversifying up front, not not just to one other platform. Yeah, and and the most successful, um, I don't know, talk personality. And we all know who he is. He yeah. he had to rely on on AM radio, yes, but he built his own network. Oh, right. 
that didn't rely on any of the other uh, media companies. Mm-hmm. Except for maybe one media company in Cincinnati and one in Chicago. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Rush Limbaugh built the EIB network. And then when it came time to put the stuff on the internet, because that was becoming the thing, he put it all on his own website and didn't rely on other platforms. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, you had to download his app to get his stuff. Now, obviously, if you're not Rush Limbaugh, you can't just do that. I'm just saying, yeah. as you're building... Why are you building on a platform that's going to cancel you? Yeah, and the, the, eliminate you know your is income. Inimical to you. So I, I don't. The whole thing doesn't make sense to me. I I hope some of these guys see that problem developing. And if Tim Gordon got canceled, on, I don't listen to him on YouTube anyway. I listen to him on one of the podcasts. But you know, when Pat Coffin was canceled, I went to another platform just to find him. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not the only one doing that. Yeah. And if they encourage other people to say, hey, you can find us on BitChute, uh, you know, hopefully if somebody says, I wonder what Eric's doing lately, and they go to BitChute and look for our podcast, you know, maybe then they subscribe there. But right. I would not encourage anyone to subscribe on a single platform and not even mention the other platforms. It just right. doesn't make sense to me. So, I don't know. It is a shame that he got canceled, though, and I hope. I is it maybe, final? Does, is is it a? Cause I, it's a little bit up in the air, but I think it's final. Okay. And I think it will be final at YouTube, not long from now. Oh, I hope. Yeah. I hope that that somehow makes him bigger than he was instead of smaller. But yeah, that'd be nice. You know, whatever. I just... Because, I, I mean, I'll, I'll try to find him on another platform if he gets canceled from the podcast platform that I listen to him on. Right. All right. Uh, outside of Catholic news, the International Atomic Energy Agency Director General says that Iran now has amassed enough material for several nuclear weapons and calls for new diplomatic efforts to prevent it. Which, I don't, you know, the thing is, Obama set up this, uh, this treaty or whatever with Iran, and it did nothing but provide them all the stuff they needed to make nuclear weapons under the guise of making nuclear power plants. Mm-hmm. Trump comes in, cancels it right away, and they all start acting like, oh, because Trump canceled this, they're going to have a nuclear bomb now. <laughs> well, now that Biden's in... They, they almost a have a nuclear bomb. Um, <laughs> or they have the makings of one. Yeah. In response to this, Iran's put sanctions on like 30 different UK and EU individuals uh, because of the sanctions put on them by the European Union. Oh, okay. Um, and I don't know. They, that whole thing is a mess. But it's gotten to the point where... Uh, I don't think anyone who's red-pilled, like anyone probably who's in our audience, um, even believes half the stuff that people are saying. I don't know if they have nuclear... I don't know if they were close to it before. I don't know how much anything is true anymore. So it's like, I I can't even worry about that. 
It's like worrying about Ukraine. I mean, I don't... No one knows what the heck's going on over there. Right. We might be on the verge of World War III with nuclear bombs. We we have no way of knowing it until I see that mushroom cloud. It's all just... It's all fake news now. You know? It sucks. Yeah. Um, send 12C news... Oh. I accidentally typed the word news in in the middle of my... Uh, in the middle of my news list, I was I was trying to mark my place in the podcast, oh, and I typed okay. news in the middle of it. So I'm like, <laughs> South Africa agrees to send 12 news. 12 news what? 12 news. I don't know. They wouldn't do that. They're sending 12 cheetahs to India oh. <laughs> each year for the next 10 years. Uh, to try to get a better population. I guess the Asiatic cheetah went extinct in India in the 1940s. And, but I, I, I don't know. Is the South African cheetah like the Asian cheetah? Yeah. And I, I, like, did they have too many gazelles and stuff in Asia because of this? I mean, in India because of this? Yeah. What kind of animals are being overrun? Are they overrun with in India because they don't have enough cheetahs? My wife. I mean, I'm is, sure it's something. I, you know that I, that stuff does does kind of balance and and you know the more uh, the the less. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I know I know less, that things happen, but yeah, I mean that's why it's so bad. Like to to for people to bring uh, plants and animals into the United States. Why you know because. In, in one kind of uh, ecological environment, they may be properly balanced with appropriate predators and that kind of stuff. Whereas in the United States, maybe they're not, and then they wreak havoc, like like the yeah. American ash borer, or you know, the ash borer that's killing all the American ash trees and stuff right. like that. Well, but yeah, I also but... know that the the less uh, the more simple a a like a ecology like take like. Antarctica, you get penguins and maybe I don't know what walruses kill yeah. whales and a few Orcas. other things. Yeah, and that's a relatively simple compared with like you know a, a South American rainforest or something where there's yeah. a bazillion different kinds of animals. And, you know, well, the more simple uh, an ecology system is, the easier it is to disrupt it. And the longer the consequences are of making some kind of disruption, right. whereas in in very complex systems like rainforests and stuff like that, you can disrupt it, and it's like a day later, the disruption's gone over and forgotten. Yeah, but here's the thing: um, you're talking all the examples you came up with invasive species, but when you take a species out, for example. The buffalo. We took the buffalo out. Nothing. Yeah, happened. I don't know that the buffalo. Nothing were big really... happened. Yeah, no, I mean they, they were. There were a lot of them on the Western Plains. Uh, even here in the in the flatter areas around here, uh, apparently they were. But okay, let's okay. So not who the buffalo. Are the, predators the black the bears. Uh, the buffalo predators were wolves, I think. Okay. Did that population decrease because of getting rid of the buffalo? Probably, because but we also killed them off. 
Yeah. Actually, I think maybe for, as far as buffalo go, probably the only real predator that they had were humans. I can't think of an animal that maybe a group of wolves, but man, those hides, those hides are thick. Yeah. So, but okay, let's forget about buffalo. What about the black bear? The black bear was eliminated here in Ohio. And so, so what? And there are a lot of deer. And the wolves were eliminated. And the coyotes the coyotes weren't eliminated. Uh, what else was here? Yeah, but I heard I something think just about, the, like, there was some kind of problem with the fact that there weren't enough wolves and they were trying to reintroduce them or something like that. This was this was 15 years ago, maybe, that I was hearing about this. Um, yeah, they were trying to reintroduce something, not here. Uh, black bears, I think, around here. It made me angry. I'm like, I don't well, want a black do bear. I don't know. But I also know that, I, I mean, there's that, I remember when I took, uh, when I was like 16, I wanted to go hunting. I had to take those hunting classes in order to yeah. get my license. He told a story about, I think it was FDR. Who was the, the hunter, the president who liked to go hunting? Oh, was that, that was, um, no, no, that was Teddy Roosevelt, right? Teddy Roosevelt, not, not yeah. FDR. Not Franklin. Teddy. FDR was the was the, the wheelchair guy. Yeah, so Teddy saw a place where he wanted to hunt, and he liked the fact that these uh, deer, these, I, I guess they were white-tailed. I don't know. But he thought it would make a good place to hunt. And he wanted to make, like, a hunting resort. So he had them kill all the predators, which is mainly, oh. I think, just uh, wolves and coyotes. So basically, replace natural predators with hunting. Right. But people don't hunt that much, you know? Anymore. Yeah. And so the deer got out of control and, like, stripped the land of greenery. Mm-hmm. According to this class I was taking. Oh, okay. Um... And it, like, became practically a desert because... But even then, I don't know. I, I just... Other than something like that, that I that I that is unverifiable, I've never heard of eliminating a species really causing any damage. Well, that's, that's because a species is... Um, I mean, species or, or really populations of types of animals are... It's the population of a kind of animal that's that's useful, and the animals that are really at the, um, I don't know, like the top of the food chain or whatever. It, it's yeah, they may not be as important um, if there are others that can take their place. Right, like you know, like in Africa like they've got lions and whatever. Roosevelt's plants for hunting would have worked out. It probably would have been okay. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, they're going to send a bunch of them, and bunch of tigers are they're going so no. to start cheetahs. seeing people mauled in villages fa- and stuff. No, no, no. The cheetahs. Oh, the, the cheetahs. Yeah, ones. not the tigers. Yeah. But still, now the cheetahs. I mean, what are their temperaments like? Will, will they will they kill people or are they? I I don't animals? think they would naturally, but okay. My wife insists that the only. Uh, large cat that can be in any way domesticated is the cheetah. Really? She Interesting. always said that if we ever had a jewelry store, she would buy a cheetah to guard it. I wouldn't buy a cheetah and I, I would not don't trust believe it. a domesticated cheetah. 
Yeah. I now they're not as big, you know. House cats. Yeah, I'm I don't like house not cats. Trust a large one. Even kittens. But <laughs> yeah. Um, I I don't know if that's true or not. But I know it was a thing to. Of course, they've had. I've heard of jewelry store owners buying tigers to to guard their stores, but. Hmm. That would be. What do they really like? Dangerous. Cage them up during the day, and then at night they just let them out of the cage inside the store to roam. I, I think that's the idea. Got <laughs> hmm. uh, to wait to make sure he's back in the cage. I guess that's fine, and he doesn't escape. Yeah, you got to hope that he gets back in the cage, or you know, what if the cage is loose, or what if somebody somehow gets in there and leaves the door open, and now that's you got That's what I was tiger. thinking. If he gets out yeah. of the store, and now he's loose on the city. Yeah. There was an avalanche in Japan somewhere. Killed two people, including American skier Kyle Smain. I don't know who Kyle Smain is, but he's an American skiing in Japan. And uh, there was an avalanche in it. I just, I have a severe fear of avalanches. Me too. (laughs) I just, the idea of it just terrifies me. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the Biden administration announces that the U.S. will end its COVID-19 emergency proclamation. It'll end it on May 11th. Not right now. Yeah, on May but 11th. On May 11th, <laughs> the COVID-19 emergency will end. That's three oh, years. Uh, the so governor of Illinois also. Yeah, we, we should have a big party. The governor of Illinois is also ending its proclamation on May 11th. Oh, okay. I wonder what that is. Or if there's some some stupid thing somewhere in the law that says if if an emergency lasts more than three years, then you know something happens that they wouldn't want. Or I mean, like why if why you know years? it has to be at least like I don't know three months and two weeks after the. After the date yeah. of the, you know, resolution or whatever. But it's all gonna it's all gonna end on May 11th, which is three years after its after, beginning. Yeah. Both the state of Illinois and the U.S. <laughs> federal government. Uh, the Chinese province of Sichuan announces the abolition of its three-child policy. Oh, wow, and, a three-child policy? Yeah, and the restrictions on birth registration for single parents. Restrictions huh. on birth registration? What does that mean? I guess uh, for single parents. So if you're a single parent, if you're a mom and you have a kid, you used to have to register it. And that would oh. be how they uh, how they enforce the three-child policy, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah, but... but I mean, is it a thing over there that people don't want? Because, like, everybody in the United States, practically, unless you're, like, born in a uh, log cabin somewhere, gets a birth certificate. That's basically a birth registration. Yeah, that's what it is. And I... You know, it's it's usually regulated and, and, and required by the state and then performed per county. I wonder if it's done there in a way that parents maybe were hiding it because they didn't want to have to kill their baby. Oh, and yeah. you know, I don't know. Hmm. 
It's, a, it's such a maybe it was like the, the registration is like a a necessary thing, like an entry to getting you know being able to get I don't know benefits, citizenship, something like that, and it's like yeah uh, maybe there were rest- like if you were a single parent. Um, your baby wasn't considered a full citizen, or so maybe that maybe for all single parent babies there was some kind of restrictions on that the, could the be. type of registration yeah. or something. Well, uh, the good thing is that the three child policy is no more because of their country's population decline. Hmm. Um, Pope Francis begins his first papal visit to the Democratic Republic of Congo. Huh. And he's also going to visit South Sudan, Sudan, Sudan. How do you say that word? I usually say Sudan. Okay, I had it right the first time. South Sudan yeah. on the same trip. So he's going to the Congo and he's going to South Sudan. I, I don't. I, I wonder about this. Um, somewhere else in this news, uh, they. I think it was on LifeSite News that they announced that. Nigeria has the highest percentage of people attending mass. Huh. Wow. Like in the world, of all countries in the world? Yeah. Yeah, good for them. And I mean, you know all the stories about uh, Africa sooner or later sending missionaries to America because we're running out of good Catholics. Yeah. So, well, I, I wonder if there's a giant... Uh, Catholic population in the Congo. Hmm. Could be. Pope Francis will try to take care of that, won't he? Yeah. Uh, Nikki Haley is expected to announce a presidential run in 2024. Why Nikki Haley? Why? I feel like that name should mean something to me, and it doesn't. It wasn't. Didn't uh, Trump choose her as the? Like the UN ambassador or something. Oh, okay. Well, why would she? Because everybody thought it was real. Everybody thought she was real great. I I didn't really think she was. She's one of the people who helped. Oh, she's the former governor of South Carolina. Okay. But I thought she was. Yeah, that's her. Why would she? She was the United States ambassador the 29th ambassador to the United Nations and she was kind of uh, she was kind of tough you know she delivered Trump's messages pretty clearly mm-hmm. um, better than other ambassadors maybe but I, I don't really know after the first month or two I, I don't remember hearing anything else about her so I don't know why no. if she's a strong uh, conservative or whatever so right. But she's a former governor. Yeah. So, okay, here's the thing. So she probably knows that, you know, at this point she can make a bid for presidency. She knows she doesn't really have a chance to get the Republican nomination. But she can get her name recognition out there, especially back within her own state. And maybe she could become like a U.S. senator or something like that. There's also... Some people are speculating that Trump is going to name her for VP. Oh, if he runs. runs. Instead of what everybody was thinking uh, would be the Florida guy. Yeah, DeSantis. 
but they kind of seem to have. I don't know. Had a little bit of a falling out or something. I don't know. Yeah, we've got other news about Trump. I'll get that in a second. Uh, Jack Phillips loses another court decision for refusing to bake gender transition cakes. Oh I guess gosh. this is a guy being sued, and he's become. I guess the they were trying to get it. Yeah, of, to of the, the uh, yeah. They were trying to get it to the uh, Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court hasn't heard the case yet, so he yeah. keeps losing to all the lower courts, I guess, is what's going on. Um, I don't know. He Probably more people know of him now because of this. I'm sure he's doing better than he was, although if the cases against him continue, he's going to end up losing everything. He's going to have to yeah, pay a bunch of money out and, and you know... Because you know how it is when you want a gender transition cake and the baker refuses to make it. I mean, your life is ruined. Yeah. Everything's ruined. <laughs> you can't make your own cake or find another baker. And, I mean, once one baker refuses that destroys you, another baker just won't do. Right. And probably the kid's not going to be a... The, you're not going to have a gender transition. You might not even transition. Right. And now he's stuck being a man, or she's stuck being a woman, all because of this damn baker. <laughs> because he wouldn't bake a cake. <laughs> My gosh. Uh, Biden administration moves to eliminate the abstinence requirement for homosexuals donating blood. This took me by surprise. He's I had. I didn't know there was an abstinence requirement. Yeah, I had no idea that... Wait a minute. First of all... Wait, what does it mean? I don't know. A homosexual is somebody who has sex with people of the same sex. Right. So what is an abstinent homosexual? Yeah, it doesn't even make sense, does it? It doesn't mean anything. It's... It's a... It's a contradiction in terms. And it's it's like... you, You go to donate blood and... What did they ask you if you're gay? Hey, do you like guys? Do you like dudes? Yeah, is that a question? They don't ask that. And then do they ask you when's the last time you had sex? (laughs) I didn't... I had no idea any of this. Me neither. Wait a minute. You've donated blood, haven't you? No, I tried, but I forgot my ID, and they don't take blood without an ID, so... Oh, well. Hold on, let me see something. Vic... Have you ever donated blood? Did they ask you when the last time you had sex was? If you're sexually active or? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, they asked her if she's sexually active because she wasn't married. She thinks, but she oh. doesn't know for sure. Yeah. So I didn't even know that was a question. So Me neither. I, I it's here's just the thing that that bugs me about that. I would assume that they put the exact same screening on the blood perform all the same tests. Yeah. Regardless so of should... any of ans- the answers to any of these questions. So why the questions? Right. And then, I mean, if you're not screening for things that could be transmitted sexually, then... I question all the blood there. Yeah, all the blood in the country. (laughs) So, I don't know. I wonder if they're going to start asking people if they've had their COVID shot. I'll bet they do. Yeah, they might. I don't want blood from somebody who's had a COVID shot. 
I don't either. If I if I if I am ever in the hospital and I am in need of a blood transfusion, I want COVID free blood. I want COVID shot free blood. Yeah, I'm calling Maybe family members. We should we should start like making cards. Like little, I think like cards stick in your wall. You know, like call a priest yeah. cards. Except, you know, in case of need of blood, I want COVID shot free blood. Yeah. I don't even know if that's if you can get. I I, I heard I, there are I, organizations sure, trying to make that available to people, but I uh, I don't think that they screen for that or separate it for that at this right. point. But if enough people started saying that that's a thing that they would want, yeah, maybe they would. Yeah, Elon Musk is saying that he's going to make a payment processor like PayPal. Uh, it it'll be part of Twitter. Part of what? Twitter? Yeah. I don't... I would not tweet money to somebody. Right. But it... I don't know. I I question all this stuff because it's like his big thing that he was going to make free speech. Well, he hasn't done that. Yeah. So he made it a little bit more free, but it's not free. But he's not... Um, He hasn't hasn't said, okay, lift the barriers. Wait, when Alex Jones start tweeting again, then I'll believe it. Yeah. Um, but the thing is that they're they're backing off some of the censorship because what they're actually trying to what they're doing now is bringing on financial pressure via people like PayPal. Right. And, and he's trying Patreon. to make an alternative and Patreon, which is what exactly? Yeah, Patreon. So if he makes an alternative then uh, most of their censorship is gone. But I think it's like he makes a fake alternative. He makes a big show of being an alternative when he's not really an alternative because if someone like Alex Jones wants funding, he don't get it. Yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll still have the same censorship. Yeah. So, I don't, to me, it's still a big yawn. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't know why I put this down. I'm not going to say this. This is a boring story. Uh, Portuguese High Court strikes down the euthanasia law as unconstitutional. This is a law... Allowing euthanasia. Allowing euthanasia. Good. Yeah. But they they said it was unconstitutional because of its lack of definition. Oh, okay. And I think that really probably boils down to what's brain dead. You know what I mean? Yeah. What are the things that would make this person eligible for uh, euthanasia? And it wasn't specific, so they're like, all right, we're not doing this. Uh, Oh, okay, here's the Trump thing. Now, we see what's going on with the gays. And, Mm -hmm. and, I mean, we started calling this a long time ago. Um, But let's face it, we had tolerance for people who were tolerant of gays. And out of that, a huge problem has begun to develop. Trump is one of those people who were tolerant of gays. Yeah. And so now more and more people who have been red-pilled are starting to say, hey, uh, I don't think so. And he has come out condemning the left-wing gender insanity um, I guess in response to his, to the concerns people had about his support for the LGBT community. Um, oh, okay. So, so I, but I think it's just, I think it's kind of 
too little, too late. Yeah. So what? What is it? It's like he wants to. He wants to show that he's he's tolerant. Maybe of LG. against all the. He's like tolerant of LGB, but but all the other not T. Alphabet soup is actually is insanity kind of thing. Actually, he's probably tolerant of T as well. He's just not tolerant uh, tolerant of minor T's. Oh, because that's really what all this seems to have led to. Mm-hmm. And it's like finally some people are starting to oh shoot we shouldn't have allowed this crap you know mm-hmm. it started with girls in the men's room but now we're taking kids and chopping their genitals off yeah mutilating Maybe. mutilating their their bodies yeah so uh, but you know the whole thing with Trump is I I don't I don't know what to say I love the guy. I love what he did for America. I will still insist that so far he is the greatest president we've had because he's the one who made it possible to outlaw abortion. Yeah. It's directly from what he did. Nobody we can take that away. Uh, yeah, that's his legacy right now as far as I'm concerned. If he gets to be president again, maybe it'll be something different, something right. better. I don't know. But right now, that's his legacy, and that's a big one. That is the biggest grace-saving uh, move that's been done in our history, I think. Maybe it's maybe it's too late for that. I mean, but I, I know that millions of babies probably by now, at least tens of thousands, are alive because of him. So I'll, I'll always love him. But, you know, he, he bungled the COVID thing and he still is not backing off it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a problem. And he even, I mean, he was on a radio show and the guy gave him every chance. He said, okay, so, you know, you were out for the vaccine at first and then you, uh, and now people are starting to question its safety. Well, you got anything to say to that? He wouldn't, he wouldn't own up to it. Mm -hmm. He kept saying, well, I never forced the vaccine. He said, yeah, but a lot of people are now are calling into the question, the safety of the vaccine. And he kept saying, I probably saved millions of lives during COVID (laughs) by coming up with a vaccine. It's like, no, no, Trump, (laughs) we know that it's killing people. people. You probably killed a bunch of people with the vaccine. So until you're ready to admit this, I would say you have a serious problem. I just can't vote for you again. If you're that unwilling to admit your mistake, because it's a pretty big mistake. Oh, well. I think a couple weeks ago we talked about a Catholic, a guy named Josh Alexander in the Canadian, a Canadian high schooler in a Catholic Canadian high school who was suspended for protesting men using the women's room yeah. or boys using the girls' room. Something like that. Yeah, I remember yeah. we talked about that. So he's been suspended for the rest of the year. That's just sick. Oh, and here's that one. Yeah, Nigeria ranks number one among all countries and mass attendance, despite the massive persecution that's going on down there. Oh, wow. Uh, it's because everybody willing to call yeah. themselves Catholic really believes it. Yeah. You got you to gotta prove it down there. And I think it'll be that way in a lot more places soon. Mm-hmm. And I think all the Novis will not be Catholic anymore. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. I, you know what? I should shut my mouth because... I have no idea how I'm going to react. <laughs> I would hope 
I would hope I'm going to be Catholic, but it's scary to think about it. I know, I know. It's like, because <clears throat> it's not just, you know, it's like, okay, if I'm just like Joe Baxter, I could talk I'm about on my it. own. Okay, yeah. yeah, I'm Catholic, you know, cut my head off, whatever, you know, even if I'm in a Muslim country or whatever. But, but yeah. you know, when, when, when you've got like a family and people depending on right. you and, and it's like, oh, well, if, if I... Uh, if I can't keep my job and work and then I have to see my family thrown out on the street possibly and stuff like that. Yeah, there's, there's all these yeah. soft persecution things that it's like, how do you work with that? How do you, you know? Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I guess in, in United Kingdom, in there a woman had been arrested for praying silently in front of an abortion center. Uh, and the UK police have dropped the charges against her. But I think she's pushing back for even more. She wants her name cleared. Oh. And I guess she's uh, she's seeking a clear court verdict. Oh, okay. Uh, and, yeah, she's doing the right thing. Good. You know, uh, our Uncle Tom was arrested for praying. Oh, I know. It, it wasn't was, even praying. What's he was? Uh, yeah, he had a prayerful attitude. He had a yeah. He he he. Uh, the the judge's exact words were because uh, this was that time when they had that injunction. Uh, you couldn't cross right. the street, be on the same side of the street as the clinic and stuff like that. And a bunch of people crossed the street, and he didn't. And he was arrested. And then during the I don't know if it was the arraignment or whatever it was, the judge's words were, uh, "Well, Mr. Braden." did not violate the injunction he was seen associating with some of the others who did and he had a prayerful attitude literally that's the judge's words in america that's on paper in the united states of america that's the judge's words it's in the records yeah Yeah. crazy people don't believe this crap happened Mm -hmm. and i mean i don't know uh francis launches Ecological Conversion Training Center oh my at his papal summer residence. Uh, the new center will operate out of Castel Gandolfo and will provide a training ground to promote the convictions, new attitudes, and lifestyles necessary for ecological conversion. This is sick. This is just gross. This is terrible. Gross. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's Things are getting bad. And see, to me, this is even more alarming than the gay uh, thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, because this, as we've illustrated before, every subject on the left leads to abortion. It is yep. all about abortion. But yep. this, very specifically. Yeah, you read this in the context of him bringing this pro-abortion woman onto the Pontifical Council for Life. Yeah, it's it's alarming. Uh, Kevin McCarthy defends Capitol Police officer who shot Ashley Babbitt. Shot and killed <laughs> Ashley Babbitt. Yeah. So all the, I mean, he did a few good things when he was first uh, installed Made as speaker. the what yeah. the speaker. But now we know. But, <laughs> Wait, he's he's the same guy he always was. Don't anyone get excited. Nope. Nothing he's good happened. Still a rhino. Yeah. He's, um, he's an institutionalist. What it, what it really is, is it's not Republicans, Democrats, and it has not been for a long time. It's 
institutional versus non-institutional. That's the politics yeah. of the United States today. Yeah, and, and it's and almost... has been for 50 years, I think. Yeah. So, okay, Mom sent this uh, news article to us. The, let's see, Father John Howell. Hallowell? Yes. Mm-hmm. John Hall- uh, Father Hallowell. He's the, the priest that married Jake and Grace earlier okay, this year. Okay, but I don't, that doesn't make any sense to me because I remember very specifically a black priest marrying no. them. Well, no. I didn't attend the wedding, but oh. was oh, yeah, there you a just, black priest there? You, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a black priest there. He is a, an old, old friend of Grace's. He, he is the one who baptized Grace and has been a friend oh. of her families for a long time. He's from Haiti. Isn't he the guy who was in the movie, uh, not the movie, the documentary, the the TLM documentary? Father Hollowell might have been, yeah. No, the black what, guy. The Haitian priest? No, he's he's not a TLM priest. Oh, he's not? Okay, no. well, I, I get... You know what? The, the dumb thing is that I have... I have such a bad case of face blindness... <laughs> uh, I can't even tell black from white, you know. <laughs> you all look the yeah, same Father, to me. I don't you care if you're Chinese see... or Spanish or. <laughs> you didn't see Father Hollowell at the wedding because he had. It was kind of a tight thing to arrange anyway because he had to yeah. be somewhere immediately afterwards, and so he couldn't okay. even make an appearance at the reception. All right, I because he. I guess this LifeSite news story came out about him. He uh, had a tumor, and yep. he was miraculously cured. Jason pointed out that it's weird to see someone say that they were miraculously cured when they have a big scar on their head indicating uh, surgery. Yeah. <laughs> so, wait a minute. <laughs> Now, I don't know whether that scar was prior, like maybe part of some, like an earlier uh, brain biopsy or what, but... Yeah, Carolyn uh, pointed out, Carolyn clarified some of that. She said, yeah, but um, the cancer had come back. I think he had brain cancer, they removed it, and then it came back. and then, okay, and now it's been, I'm kind of, I mean, I trust him, but I hope he's not jumping the gun on the whole cure thing without yeah, it being thoroughly medically vetted because we've seen that mm-hmm. actually we've seen I mean it go back and forth because our cousin Billy had brain cancer mm-hmm. um, he I think his first reaction was did, did he remove it first and then go to Hawaii I forget I thought he was I in think Hawaii he, when it was discovered but well, he was out for a while, and then he came to Cincinnati and had it had something done. He had okay. a great big scar on his head, and they still said, "You've still got it. You've got another six months." Okay, yeah. And then he lived another ten years. Right. Now they never said, "Hey, you're cured." No, it's just, just that he outlived their he expectations. Just kept living. Um, I don't know. I get. We'll move on before I start telling Billy stories. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's all the news I got. Okay. <laughs> well, I got a few things. Uh, it, it was kind of hard chasing down some nonsense news items, but uh, one that I um, couldn't resist. I guess there's this this company um, 
called Colossal Biosciences that talked about like doing extinct animal DNA stuff. Sort of like the whole Jurassic Park kind of thing. Well, yeah. uh, just the other week they announced that uh, they have a project. They are launching a specific project to bring back the dodo bird. The dodo bird? The dodo bird, of all things. Yeah, I mean, they were discovered here in America when, I guess, the... I don't know if they were discovered down in South America or up here in North America. But the, if I remember right, when the explorers were writing about them, Mm -hmm. they were, uh, they said these things are so dumb, they, uh, it's, they're easy to catch, but they taste so bad that (laughs) that's probably why. Because they're so stupid and easy to catch. Yeah. And so, um, I, I wonder why they died, though. Did they die because they couldn't figure out how to... That's the thing. I mean, if they tasted bad, they weren't hunted to extinction. Right. They were just... I think they were kind of irritating. Yeah. I... <laughs> so, anyway. and where are they going to put them? Yeah. Where? And Why? And besides, I mean, anybody who wants a dodo uh, can just go to the White House right now. So where, okay, wait a minute, where were they, hold on. This is what I've done. What's that? The basketball. I don't, I don't, why are you showing me that right now? I just thought it was so funny, because it was your mom. So, I guess... Mom used to play basketball or dodgeball with a basketball. Who? Mom, I, I there was a I post about dodgeball. Yeah, no dodgeball, but I never knew mom played with a basketball. Mom said you, you like haven't, you haven't. I guess so. I guess like her family, you know, like the boys and the girls. Would, oh, okay. I can see them using a basketball. Yeah, I can see that. I imagine that would hurt. Yeah. Okay, but here I'm still trying to figure out where they are native to. You know, the thing is, it's like they were extinct before they were here in early America, but I don't know. Madagascar. No, no, I'm, they were on an Island. The Island of Mauritius. Okay. So the, and they the were Indian just constrained Ocean. to a single Island. Yeah, it looks like it's it. It's so dumb to worry about bringing them back. Right. I I think it's more just a... What I read about the explorers who found them still holds true. It's just that I thought it was in the Americas. It was another group of explorers who, I guess, somehow landed on that island. Hmm. Yeah, and it... Um, I think more, it's just a... It's a more like, hey, look what we can do. And since no one's actually seen a dodo bird, it'll yeah. be cool to have a dodo bird. I wonder how big they are. Oh, my. Oh, well. Okay. Uh, all right. So, Nick. Okay, so this is, one, this is to me, it's, it's a little bit weird, but I also see this as inviting some really bad psychology. Um, and I'll tell you what I mean. So... So, Mattel, who makes Barbie, is coming out with Barbie's little sister, who, who are they calling her? Chelsea, who has Chelsea. scoliosis and has to wear a back brace. Oh, 
Now, hmm. here's the thing. I mean, okay, I know that there's a little bit of, of um, you know, girls, they grow up with dolls. If they don't have a doll, they'll make a doll. They'll, you know, they, they, it's kind of like they, they, yeah. There's something in them. They want to have a baby. They they want to imitate their mom. This you know the mom takes care of the baby. They want a baby to take care of it, and so there's always that. And then there's a little bit of of um, possibility of t- too much of that holdover into when they become real mothers, so that when they're real mothers, um, it's a way to live out a like a baby doll fantasy kind of thing rather than being a mother. You, you know, I, okay. it's kind of hard to describe what I'm saying, but there are doll um, collectors who are women who treat their dolls like babies. Is that or rather treat about? their babies like dolls. That's okay. Who, who, yeah, who get a doll charge out of their baby rather than being a mother to their baby. That's what okay. I mean. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This is going to encourage that, and it's going to encourage women to want their children to have problems. This you is know, the kind. This is the kind of psychology. This the, a sort of female psychosis that I see growing yeah, out of something like this. But the Barbie is not the same as a doll. It's a. It's more. Of a it's not the same as a baby doll, for, but it's a playhouse doll, and this is definitely a child doll, not. You know, Barbie is an adult. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just, t- to me, this is a disturbing development. I think it is. I understand the their reasoning. Um, I, Bella had scoliosis, and we just couldn't make her wear that damn brace. I really didn't think the brace was going to do anything anyway. Oh and yeah, the doctor kind of indicated that a few that times. It's, like you know, it's, it's kind of like one of those for for the insurance. You have to do this so long before you can get approved for the surgeries and stuff like Not that. Not even that. You know what? Okay, here's here's what ticked me off about that whole thing. They have the brace that they, you see there on a doll. It's like a mm-hmm. hard plastic thing. Couldn't yeah. imagine wearing that thing, even for five minutes. It looks right, like right. a torture yeah. contraption. Yeah. Uh, that's what they wanted her to wear. Now, for, I think, $5,000, you could buy an elastic one that was more of almost like a whole body brace, but it was more comfortable and looked more natural. But $5,000. If you don't have $5,000... You kind of put uh, a stiff plastic thing that nobody would wear... Right. For Ten minutes. But you have to wear that all day, every day. Oh, man. Even to bed. Oh, wow. That is that's, torture. That's your new life. Um, and so, as a result of not wearing the brace... See, the brace doesn't help solve the... Pr- it doesn't cure you. Right. What it does is you only wear it as you're growing, so that as you grow, it will kind of gently reshape the problem that's already there. Or let me rephrase it. It'll keep the problem from getting worse, maybe. That's the idea of the brace. So is the idea that that once you're fully grown... Then you can take it off. The the problem stabilizes as it is and you go on with life with a a curved, but but no more curved than when you were little kind of thing? Right. 
Yikes. So if it's too curved at a certain point, it's like it doesn't matter. You've got to have the uh, surgery. you got to get it straightened. Yeah. And if you don't get it straightened, this rib will poke into this lung, or these organs will crowd your heart to the point where it can't be. Oh, wow. Those are the kinds of problems. So it's not like, uh, oh, you'll look funny. No, you'll die. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you'll die soon after you stop growing or somewhere between then and when you stop growing. You know, mm-hmm. it, the growing is what will make you die. Right. So you wear the brace to keep the growing from happening wrong. And, you know, if you don't have $5,000, you got to wear that stupid plastic thing. Or if your insurance won't cover it. But the insurance will cover the stupid plastic thing. They will not cover the uh, cre- the comfortable one, but they that, will what? cover the $100,000 surgery. Surgery, yeah. Which is stupid. It's like you could have saved $95,000. Right, right. But you wouldn't pay for a decent brace. I don't know. And then I, I, I begin, after all that, I begin to question even if the other brace actually does anything. I don't know. Oh, even if the, it, the comfortable one is even worth yeah. trying at all. And I can imagine if you've got a little girl, no, I'm not going to wear that brace. It's embarrassing. I don't know. Maybe if a doll had a brace somewhere in her brain, it wouldn't be that big a deal. I don't know. But no, I think you're right. I think, I, I just think that's the wrong direction. You don't. Hmm. You don't manufacture defects for people to play with. You manufacture the ideal. <laughs> that's what. And yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. I now kids will invent things like a girl who has a doll baby will invent that the baby has a bellyache because she sees that her little brother right. has a bellyache sometimes. Stuff like that. Okay, yeah, that, that's you know. But you don't make a doll with a bellyache. Yeah, <laughs> or especially with like. You know, some kind of deformity. Oh, yeah. Here's 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 little yeah, Sally. He's got she a has a cleft palate, and you know, or whatever. Yeah, that's idiotic. <laughs> oh, I understand no. how today's leftist idiots can think this way, but yeah, it's the wrong direction. Yeah. All right. All right. Um. So it looks like uh, whiskey may have some ingredients that promote skin health. I guess um, somebody found that, um, well, there's some study they did. They found that a whiskey-making byproduct, which is used as animal feed, um, had some antioxidant properties when applied to the skin. Now, I don't know if that means... um, Animal byproduct or whiskey byproduct, like like the the malt left over after you have distilled or they're whatever. saying pot ale. Okay, is which I'm not sure uh, what pot ale is as a byproduct, um, but they said this. I, I think it is the kind of like the the spent malt, the mash. Yeah, yeah. From from okay. Uh, but they said it has antioxidant properties. So then they're saying, so, but you don't so need it. Maybe we can use some skin. of this to make skincare products and stuff like that. So as you p- manufacture whiskey, some of the the byproducts could go into the skin um, industry. You know, 
the thing is, I'm sorry, people. You hear me? You keep hearing action going on in the background. I'm rolling a cigarette. <laughs> I, I usually roll a bunch before, and, and I didn't do that this time. I'm rolling them as I smoke them. Um, I don't know. Did they have all these skincare products, and every year or two, they come out with a new thing that they get all the women to go wild over. Hey, this new skin, hey, we have foot powder, and, and that's, we discovered, makes you have beautiful skin, or they have foot fungus, whatever, yeah, byproducts, and it's like, we're going to... Yak, yak dung you, or something. Yeah, like. yak poop. <laughs> I, I mean, they're just... Whatever they can find that sounds unusual, be like, hey, did you know? And and they just, it seems mm-hmm. like they come up with these things just to be, uh, just as a novelty. And yeah. it probably lasts a couple years and then a couple diehards hold on to it. But for the most part, then it's, it's old news. Goat's milk was one for a while. Oh, yeah? For skin? Like soaking yeah. it or drinking it? Uh, you, they, there's, they would use it to make soap or something. Oh, okay. Good, good to or make soap. <laughs> lotion or whatever. Goat milk lotion. Goat milk soap. Yeah. Well, there are some, apparently some good chemicals, antioxidants and that kind of stuff in whiskey. Um, but, uh, I don't think anybody would recommend making whiskey part of your regular diet as a overall health plan. <laughs> Or spreading it on your skin. Can you imagine going into work every day? What's that? You've been drinking. Going into work every day right after splashing whiskey on your face. Your question. I can smell you a mile away. Sally, the old drunk, comes in drunk every day. Don't put her at the front desk. Yeah. That's like that that hemp uh, soap that they had at that one house I... Rented. Yeah. You're amazingly <laughs> competent for Lush. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, you handle it well. That's yeah, what I, you call a functional alcoholic. A high-functioning Lush. <laughs> you try to con- All right. Well, um, this is something that I had would not ever have thought of, but apparently uh, animals in Rio uh, de Janeiro um, are enjoying some blood-flavored popsicles as a way to beat the heat down there. Is it blood-flavored popsicle, or is it just a real blood... Popsicle with blood I think it's a blood popsicle, (laughs) because these are large cats. The pictures they're showing are large cats. Yeah. But I guess it's like gotten to like, good like into the 120s uh, down there. And so you can s- imagine how that would be hard on some of the animals at the zoo. And so they've, they've shown where they've just frozen wow. blood into these popsicles for the animals to try to uh, allow them to cool down or whatever. I mean, I don't... Maybe when you have a animal like that, they actually do need the blood... I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, like, they eat meat and stuff, and there's blood in that. Yeah. So, it just I, seemed know, to I, me like if you had an animal, you wouldn't want it to really enjoy blood a lot. <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 just, 
I guess animals don't just naturally go eat ice. They don't know about doing that to cool down. Yeah. So in order so to you help them, put blood in they it. put a little bit of blood scent in it or whatever. It, okay, if you see the picture there, they've got the they've got some kind of panther. Mm-hmm. Licking and then they've this what looks got like a, a lion slab of popsicle. Okay, just look at the the lion and the panther. Yeah. Doesn't the panther look a lot scarier, a lot more dangerous? I don't. Maybe it's just the way they they took the picture. It, it makes it look could bigger. Be. Yeah, they've got that panther. It looks really strong. Yeah, they 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 they've really taken a picture. That kind of outlines or shows the sort of musculature in the yeah, panther. Yeah, whereas well, the I guess maybe it's because of the line. Yeah, and it's got the mane, so it makes it look smaller because mm-hmm. of the giant mane. I, I know that lions are stronger than panthers generally, but um, I can kind of, I don't know. I guess they put other things in the ice for, you know, animals that aren't attracted to the blood smell and taste. Probably. I um, I started buying frozen rats because uh, my daughter had a snake and you know how I told her, look, you need to clean that snake cage because mm-hmm. it's drawing flies and I said whoever cleans starting Sunday whoever cleans that cage the snake is theirs well on Sunday it wasn't clean so I cleaned it so the snake's yours snake is mine now his name is Josh <laughs> and I started buying frozen uh, rats to feed it I wonder if I bought like if I just throw a frozen blood sickle in there if it would eat it mm-hmm no, it wouldn't. You gotta thaw them out. You can't just give it a frozen rat. Here's the thing. I thought, I don't want to feed it a frozen rat. I want a live rat. Yeah. So I started going to pet stores, like PetSmart. You have live rats? Uh, not feeder rats. We do have carry mice for pets or something. I'm like, who the heck buys a mouse for a pet? Yeah. <laughs> and if I just said, yeah, I'm going to use it as a pet, would you not? Would you sell it to me? Or would it be more expensive? I don't get it. Anyway, they don't sell feeder rats and feeder mice at PetSmart or most other pet stores. But I did find one who had them. Oh, okay. And I've been feeding it live mice instead of frozen ones. I don't know. It just seems like it's better. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, it's a little bit violent. Eat. But it, it's over fast, you know? And mm-hmm. it doesn't look like anything's suffering a whole lot. It's just like a... A quick, it's a constrictor, so it grabs it, wraps around it, and you hear one or two squeals, and then it can't breathe anymore, and it yeah. and it's pretty pretty non uh, so climatic. Does, it, does you know? it catch the mouse by wrapping it, or does it catch it in its mouth first and then wrap around it? It's mouth first, and it is so fast. Uh-huh. I couldn't believe how fast it was. It was like, and and this. This snake is really fast. I mean, I put it in, and the snake, the snake sees me coming, and it and it coils up, gets ready to strike. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and he I'll put the thing in there. Source. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as I put it in, like the last time, the rat, the snake was on one side of the cage, and the rat, I don't think he even saw the snake, but he was running around the other side. Mm-hmm. And he was at a full run, and the snake caught him halfway, uh, grabbed him by the the head, yeah, 
And within a, less than a second, the rest of its body was wrapped around it. <laughs> it wow. Pretty cool looking to see them catch things. I, yeah. I, I don't enjoy watching an animal die, but it's just, yeah, you know, no, it's but neat. just to watch nature. Well, I mean, that's why nature shows are so fascinating to people. Yeah. Yeah. But I never did try to feed it an actual frozen one. Mm. Well, it's not that hot. And they're yeah. cold blooded. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and besides, it would want to wrap around at first, and that would be weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they they wrap around the frozen ones too. Oh, okay. Before they eat like it? when it that's interesting. Yeah, he's you got to kind of pretend that it's alive, so, so it, you it take like it, tweezers like, and dance it along. It needs and then it it needs the kill. That's yeah, part of the process. It, it grabs it and wraps around it. It pulls it out of your hand as it's wrapping around it. And again, mm-hmm. it only it's a split second. Yeah. And then it'll stay that way for about a minute, and then it'll let go and eat it. Huh. <laughs> that's fascinating. But even that's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all the news I got. Only thing all left right. is our uh, trivia. Okay, hold on here. Let me let me mark us. Yeah, you can put trivia right. in your notes. <laughs> yeah, because I, because I, uh, I do music and stuff. Yeah, well, no, I know, I know you're marking the show, but if you mistype like you did with news, oh yeah, then I got in the middle in of the my notes. news. All right, I'm gonna roll the die. It comes up a number four, which is uh, people. No, okay, four places. Hold on, let me see. It's, it's a P, and it could be a people or a places. Let me see real oh. quick. Yeah, it's well, places. We'll find out by the question. All right. All right. The question is, well, like I said, it could be either. What country was Herod the king of? Duh. I'm going to ask the AI. Oh, see, see what the AI says. Since we I know this one. If- I wonder if the AI will correct me for ending the sentence with a preposition. Ah. Let's find out. All right. Well, it's Judea, right? What's that? Judea, right? Judea? Yeah. Or was that... Yeah. Judah. King of Judah. Judea. Okay. Herod was the king of Judea. A province of the Roman Empire. Right. Because mm-hmm. that was after they kicked the uh, Greeks out, and then they went to the Romans for protection. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I got that. That was a boring one. I know. That's what like everybody knows. Well, but, Is there you know, another I, could, one I, on that ma- I mean, people might have said, like, Israel, for example, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. They don't know about the, the northern and southern kingdoms thing. and I don't really... Um, I kind of guess because I don't really know much about the whole history there. But is there, what's number three question? Uh, let me see. On so, the same card. Number three was, I got to go, I'd already put it, I'd already put it at the back of the pack and put it in the uh, plastic bag where I had them. All right, number three question, which is, uh, let's see, Old Testament, New Testament, O-E, which is, uh, what does O-E mean? Oh, objects and events. I have to memorize these categories sometime. What did the dove come back with 
to give to Noah. I'm going to type that out exactly. Did the dove come back, back with, with to again, give preposition, to, to give to Noah? The dove brought an olive branch to Noah. I knew that one anyway, but yeah, as a but symbol of the end of the flood the and start of a new AI. life. Yeah, and it the end of the flood and start of new life. That's what the symbol of the dove yeah. olive branch was. Okay. Can't fool the AI. Nope. Alright, well, I guess that does it for us this week. Uh, folks, think about what we said, and as always, go raw and circle the beads, everyone.